Hello and good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing. And I'm sending you all of my prayers, well wishes, good vibes, intentions your way to you, your family, your friends, and everybody you love and care about. We have an absolutely phenomenal episode of the show for you today. We have Aaron Baya on, and we are talking about his incredibly powerful story of getting lost in drugs and transforming himself into an entrepreneur, uh, somebody who is spiritually sound, spiritual mentor and how he basically changed his entire life it's a truly empowering impactful story so we talk about his transition from drugs to philanthropy um, you know how we could reset our lives the power of plant medicine uh, shifting from how you'll be perceived to how you'll serve uh, the idea of right livelihood Uh, the new opportunities of our current generation. We talk about a lot of very important topics such as the imposter syndrome and how you can get out when you feel stuck. So this is a very powerful episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. And if you do, please share it far and wide. Consider leaving a review in iTunes. You can also leave reviews in Spotify now. So if you want to do that, that'd be great. You can head over to mattbelair.com and become a member for free or by donation if you want to support the show. But the best way to support this show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today and for those of you guys who are interested in working with me one-on-one you can check out the quantum heart hypnosis the soul compass course but if you want my specific help to tailor a program to help you get over limiting beliefs design a life that is fulfilling to you by your own design and learn how to architect that and create a business around it hit me up matt at zenathlete.com i'd love to hear from you and support you in your journey So that is it. Let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we dive into this show. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, faith, courage, empowerment, and get ready to enjoy this amazing episode with Aaron Baia. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. For those of you guys who want to support this show, please go over to Apple and leave us a review on iTunes. You can also consider becoming a member at mattbelair.com for free or by donation to get access to exclusive content. But the best way to support this show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is a Canadian entrepreneur, speaker, coach, and philanthropist who has lived a full spectrum life. From living on the edge surrounded by organized crime and misdirection in Vancouver to knowing another side of existence by experiencing meditation and yoga in the Himalayas, he has discovered that generosity, connection, and compassion were values he strongly wanted to pursue. Welcome to the show, Aaron Baya. Yo, what's up? What's up? Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, man, I'm excited to dive in. Uh, we were chatting a little bit before the show, and I got a like a little um, insight into your story, and it's pretty fascinating, man. It, like, it looks like you have you've gone through the ringer um, and come out the other side. So I kind of titled this before we dived in. Uh, one of your posts here says, you know, from tragedy to triumph, and I think that might be fitting. So I'd love for you to just introduce yourself to the audience and let them know, you know, who you are and what you're working on. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Hi, everybody. My name's Aaron. People often say Aaron, but Sorry, it's uh, <laughs> it happens all the time. My name's hard to pronounce. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I was born and raised in East Vancouver. I, you know, 
I wanted to be a firefighter growing up, funny enough, but I got a, a, a very misdirected in life and ended up a drug dealer for a good part of my early 20s, about eight years I was in organized crime. When I finally found out this wasn't the path, this isn't the way for uh, happiness or contentment in life, I was feeling very spiritually poor while being very hood rich. And so I sold everything, gave up everything I had and moved to Bali, Indonesia and Traveled throughout Asia, spiritual seeking. I was doing all the meditation retreats, all the yoga teacher trainings, the tantra trainings, all the stuff that guys in my old neighborhood would have very much so questioned my sexuality for. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, I, I, I pushed it in um, in the realms of spirituality before I was able to go back into entrepreneurship. And since then, I launched seven businesses in seven years. Uh, became a coach after that during COVID, when you know launching businesses wasn't really a thing, and I started wanting to help people in a different way. All my businesses have a karmic impact where we find a charity that we just, we want to, we want to vibe with and we end up supporting them throughout the entire business. That's just how we do. We find a charity and we partner with one that we believe in and then we're their partners in perpetuity. Um, and then I started public speaking, just moved back to Canada, to Vancouver, not far from you, uh, after seven years in Bali and uh, now just made it back to the West and thought, you know what? Bali was cool. Bali cushy life was very fun. Island paradise. Awesome. But Coming back to my hood, where I grew up in my uh, my city, and being able to do some good out here felt so much more juicy and fulfilling. And it was just like, okay, this is just better. This just feels better for now. I'm not saying it's for everything, but to come back to where you're from to go and help some help some people out felt good. You know, help your people out felt good. That's awesome, man. Well, I think you shorten your story quite a bit, but I appreciate yeah, the yeah. Uh, skipped over know, a the, lot. <laughs> yeah, the short the short introduction, but yeah, you've definitely been through a lot, and it's great to see you come back and come full circle. You know, one of the things you talk about is this full life reset, and I'd love for you to uh, share a little bit about that because when COVID happened, and or somebody you know is fed up in their life, where they're they've hit a uh, you know a crossroads, or they're just sick of what they're doing. There's a lot of times where we need to step back and reset and reconnect because otherwise you could be going down a path that you really don't want. And yours was more intense, right? The path that you had and the challenges that you had more tense, you know, dealing drugs and not really on the spiritual path. But a lot of people, it might even be worse because it's not who they are, but it's good enough. And they rationalize in their mind that this is good enough, but I'm not, I'm not only not happy. I'm like, I'm settled. I'm kind of like, you know, anxious and a little bit depressed, a little bit unhappy, but not unhappy enough to make a change. So if we need to, you know, start to reset, what do you recommend they do? Oh man. Yeah. I know this one very well, just because of yeah, going from organized crime into then resetting fully to go into something else. And then again, when I was comfortable as an entrepreneur in Bali and had some success and I was, I hit a plateau and I started seeing myself going back to like, well, get a Ducati. Okay. Date some models. Okay, great. And it wasn't aligned again. I started, my frequency started getting lower and lower as I didn't have that purpose and it, it started losing my purpose and vision. And I got hit by a truck on my Ducati, on the highway, uh, broke both my legs, my pelvis, my elbow, my Achilles, my bladder oh uh, my on September 20, uh, September, September 12th, 2021. Yeah, it was a rough one. And today I did my first boxing lesson. So it's really cool that I'm able to start moving again after being in a wheelchair to crutches in a full year of handicapped uh, wow. to now mildly handicapped still, but able to do some shit. That was my hard reset because it was like, okay, you're still not doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. There's a hard reset. And I believe there's ones that we can prevent a hard reset from happening by doing a full reset by yourself. And that's just like, okay, let's stop what we're doing or create a plan to, to shift and reevaluate and look at, okay, what are you good at? 
What do you like doing? What would you love to do? What would you do for free? And, and catalog that. And so make an actual list of like, well, I just like this stuff. And if you're in a position or you're doing a job that doesn't align or light you up, you know, it, uh, to be very frank about it, we're either growing or decaying. You know, we're either doing something we love and expanding and growing towards light or we're dying and falling off like a tree. You know, we look at the forest all the time and there's growing plants and there's dead plants, dying plants. You know, it's it's one way or the other really in the universe. And that plateau that's a form of decay and we need to stop that. And to do that, we simplify our lives right away. So what are we having in our lives? That's absolutely um, just the merry-go-round. And it's just, you know, just fucking around. It's not where we're supposed to be going. And that's when I'm like, okay, we catalog that we get hyper practical and make a list. Okay. There's things that I actually would love to do. Well, how do we do that? How do we incorporate that into your life? Or say if it's something like, okay, right now I'm coaching drug dealers out of the out of the dope game, which is really fun to do in East Vancouver because you know I grew up here and there's younger guys that know me from back in the day or heard of me, you know, that were younger than me and then have seen my journey out and they want to start a business. So this is like a practical example. So one of the guys I'm helping start a real estate development, um, going into buying places, renovating, selling them. I used to do this. He likes it. He likes the idea of that. So I'm okay. Well, we got to get you out of the dope game. He's actively selling drugs. I want you to stop selling drugs, but that's not just like an easy thing to do. It's, it's a difficult way out. Uh, it takes it takes a big, you know, there's a lot of identity piled into that. Whereas if you say somebody's like, yeah, I'm a school teacher, but I want to start a bakery, but I'm a teacher and my parents love that I'm a teacher. Same, same, but different. Like it's, it's your, your identity is tied to thing, right? And that's the hardest part was my identity was tied to money back in the dope game. It was like, well, who am I if I don't have this? And that's, it seems very daunting. It's scary, right? Like, who am I going to be if I'm not this thing? Say there's doctors and their parents want them to be doctors, but they're like, I'm not really healing people. I'm just actually just selling them drugs, different form of drug dealing. And I actually want to be a shaman or something, you know, or whatever. Well, yeah, your identity is tied to a thing. You're going to have to kill that identity. That person's going to have to die, but there's birth in that also. It's a brilliant place to start because now you can be anybody you want to be. And that's what I did for me was, oh, I don't want to be a drug dealer anymore. I want to be someone that's tied to compassion and spirituality and giving. And that's known for beautiful things that people want to be around because I shifted my energy and frequency. I want to be that guy. And so I chose a new path. And so this guy that I'm mentoring, one of the many is, well, who would you want to be? What would you want to be known as? They're like, well, I want to take care of my family. You know, I want to be somebody that's good. I want to be liked for the right reasons. I don't have to look over my shoulders. I'm like, okay, great. Those are all good things. I love those things. I'm down with it. So that person that you want to be, you're say North Star, we'll call it. That person is this compassionate, kind, giving, okay, providing. Great. What would that look like to, what would that container fit in? Okay. There's a container of that. I wanted to be a hotel uh, mogul in Bali. That was my first idea, right? That didn't turn out at all, but awesome shit happened. So it's okay. <laughs> but, but firstly, I was like, well, I'll start with an Airbnb and then I'll get two Airbnb, Airbnbs and I'll get five and then I'll get a hotel and then I'll have a chain of hotels. That was kind of my idea. And I was like, then I'll be a billionaire and fucking yeah, right. But that was the goal. You know, <laughs> I, I, that was the goal. I wanted to go this path. Right. 
Now, did it happen that way? Nah. What happened was I opened up an Airbnb. It was successful. I didn't really like it. I was like, yeah, I don't care about beds or breakfasts, really. You know, people are like, there's a gecko in my room. I'm like, go back to France. Like, fucking, <laughs> we're in the jungle, bitch. Like, it, it just was like, <laughs> a lot of one star ratings. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we did really good ratings, star ratings. Side story, funny, funny side story. So the first guy who came to work for me, uh, this beautiful Balinese guy named Gade, my little brother now i love him to death and he was my manager at that shop because he at the at the at the uh bed and breakfast because he was managing a small tattoo shop he was getting paid 150 bucks a month full time to work at this place and he's like he's like met me i got a full sleeve done at this little tattoo shop and he's like bro like i me and him just became buddies like he's like i'll take you to my village meet my family come to ceremony i'm like hell yeah we got like lit with his uncles in his village it was super fun and then he goes i want to i'm like i want to move here can you, uh, can I work for you? Like I told him I want to move there. He's like, I'll work for you, whatever you're going to do. I just want to come work for you. I'm like, okay, I'll double your salary, which at the time was a good wage. And then now he gets paid quad that. So it's good. He's getting paid well, have a family kid's house in Bali. And so he was working for me at this bed and breakfast. He was young at this time, like 25 before he got married. And he would like once a month, like sleep with one of the single female travelers. It was like really ridiculous. And I had to tell him the first couple of times, like, don't do that today. Like, that's not cool. Like you, you can't be like sleeping with guests. He's like, yeah, but they, they asked me like they, they want it. And they give a five-star review after I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess. <laughs> and it was like the funniest thing to have to like, as a manager and a business owner deal with it. And I was like, well, they were like his, he had a specific type and he liked overweight you know, white girls. And he's a little tiny Bali guy, like a small little dude. So he, he likes, you know, he's, he likes bigger women. And I'm like, well, big girls need love too, bro. Like I'm not, who am I to deny this? Like, and it was just like the weirdest situation to have to like deal with as an entrepreneur. And I'm like, my manager is sleeping with these guests, but that's a specific type. And I want them to have a good time too. And I'm just like morally conflicted, but we get five-star reviews. And I'm like, well, I guess so. <laughs> so that was just like side side story. Back to my point. <laughs> it was a weird thing to deal with. Funny, bro. And so at the bed and breakfast, we started then he had tattoo contacts. We started doing tattoos in the Airbnb on, on the kitchen table in the dining room. And that started making more money than the than the ta- than the bed and breakfast. And from that, our lease ended with that that villa. I opened a tattoo shop that instantly became the busiest tattoo shop in the city because I made connections there and we had a different vibe. We donated to a charity. It was friendly. It was painted pink. We accepted like we were like tattoo for yogis and we're in Ubud, the spiritual capital of Bali. So it was like, that was a hit. Then opened another one, a bigger one with a yoga studio and a restaurant in it. And then, you know, four businesses came out of that. And I was like, well, Hey, I didn't become a hotelier, but I built a pretty awesome life and it was fun. And I learned a bunch of cool shit and I just do what I wanted do now and i get paid for it okay that was great so now circling back to this you know drug dealer i'm helping out of the dope game i'm like well dude you don't have to pick this a forever thing you can pick a path a journey so you want to be someone who's connected to community and helping your family and you know respected for the right reasons that's a direction we can pick i wanted to be a community leader liked for the right reasons donate to charity do some good shit make my parents proud that was my path now the vehicle might have to take different journeys up the mountain. There's many ways up the mountain, but as long as we're going that way, we're going to see some cool shit and we're going to get places. And so that's like kind of the thing I like to tell people is if you want to have a full reset, pick an emotion and a path that you want to go. I want to be this type of person. 
And that might shift. There's all this new technology. I didn't think I was going to be a big on Instagram or now people like our big TikTok influencers. We didn't even know what TikTok was a couple of years ago. So new emerging containers will appear. But if you know you want to be aligned to a certain thing, you can do that. You know, it's possible. So you just have to find out what type of person you want to be and then do the things that align to be that type of person. And the universe will give you things along that way. So to have a full reset, pick the emotional and and output, like the actual, I'm going to be somebody who's taking care of my family and firmly committed to community and healthy. Okay. So that's the way you're going to go. Keep doing those things and then see what falls into place, but also make a plan, right? You kind of, you kind of know what I mean around that. I know I've oh, went to a lot of different things. Yeah, no, well, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I, I use this same example sample when I'm, I'm coaching people because, you know, a lot of people want to know what their life purpose is. And I think it evolves over time. It's a direction mm-hmm. and getting clear yes. on who you are, you know, what's most important to be to you, you know, what are your values? What are your principles? You know, what kind of legacy do you want to leave all these really important questions? Cause how that unfolds is going to be different as you take action. And so, you know, if I use the at sea example, it's like most people are just following what the school of fish do. They don't really design their life deliberately. Like they get an opportunity, right? So I would assume the same thing in drugs is like, not everybody gets that opportunity to make a whole bunch of money. And they're like, okay, I'm going to, you know, and then there's a whole culture with that. Or you grow up in another part of town and both of your parents are a doctor and a lawyer. And they're like, you're going to go to school. You're going to go to university. You're going to get this job. And so you follow that path. And most people are looking to, I, I think anyway, we're trained to get a job you know what I mean? And uh, then, you know, pay the bills, go to university, depending on where you are. And then what people do is they want the best job, but like they want it to be with the least amount of effort somehow, you know, depending on how they're, how they're, um, you know, trained by their parents. Right. So like, Oh, I can get this job and, but then it'll give me this freedom. So they'll, they'll take that, but they're not designing their life deliberately. Right. And yep. so some people kind of get pushed in a direction that's acceptable. Some of them get pushed in directions that they're really not aligned with. But really, it comes down to the idea are you designing your life deliberately? And only you can do that because we're all unique. And I think that, you know, as you are lost at sea or, or found at sea, depending on how you want to take it, you break away from the school of fish and you're not going to see anything. But as you choose something, that'll be the island. You have those experiences. And then from that, you readjust, but your, your North Star, as you put it, or your direction remains the same of how you want to unfold. And so with those new experiences, you build off that and you go again. So, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a success or if a failure, it's experience necessary to get to the next step. And I think that's absolutely yeah. crucial. I really love that. Absolutely. I was just thinking that in my head and I was thinking back to before we started filming, we're talking about like zombie apocalypse. This is us mounting up <laughs> and just like every guy I think like, is like, Oh, we'd show up. We'd do this. And it's like a weird thing guys think about, I think. And I was just thought of like, yeah, sometimes you got to regroup. So you'd have to run away from the zombies and go find a warehouse and chill in the warehouse for a little bit. But in the warehouse, you're building weapons and then you go and rescue people. And I feel like that's kind of what happened in, in my life was I had to go regroup for a while. I had to go do 10 meditation retreats. I had to go do, you know, 600 hours of yoga teacher training. I had to go, you know, spend a hundred grand on my personal development. And most of that, you know, that time, you know, I wasn't doing much else than just trying to regroup, like just get my shit together. Cause I, I couldn't go waking moment without being high, man. I was a total drug addict and I was living the fast life. You know, it was like, I was deeply addicted to opiates. And I did after doing regrouping, took a lot of plant medicine, took a lot of rewiring, and that regrouping time also then helped me build armor, like spiritual armor, mental armor, uh, emotional regulatory armor. And that was okay. Now I, 
I, I got to, I, I could go back and save some people like go go and go and get the get the herd you know get some get some people in my team and get a better you know crew around me so we can go and kill zombies together or you know uh, for the promote <laughs> the, the dance of light and love <laughs> yeah yeah well I, I like that analogy because I think like the armor is necessary because if you're mm-hmm. not designing your life deliberately and 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 forging by your own set of values and circumstances and what's most important to you, then life is going to pull you in different directions. And many people suffer from a boss they can't stand or, or environments that they were in environments they can't stand and entrepreneurs or people who design their life, they can just fling people out and get a team that's really aligned to their vision and values. And that's so important because that's what your daily life is looking like. And I think one of the big things that holds people back, and we talk about this on the podcast a lot is uh, fear. And I know you touch on that. So I love your perspective because going from, you know, someone who is just addicted to drugs. I don't feel like you're sitting there being like, okay, you know, I'm going to go on the spiritual path. I'm going to help people. I'm going to figure out who I am. I'm going to overcome these traumas. Cause also I think when you go down that path of addiction, there's a lot of uh, things you do that you're not proud of, you know, and those are a lot of people don't want to face that. So I want to just commend you for having the courage to go through that. When you talk about uh, plant ceremony, it reminds me of this one guy we did plant ceremony with, um, in, in Canada. And, uh, so we have the group and the shaman would go after and ask you how your experience was. And there's this big guy in the corner. Eh? And he's like in the circle. And so it's like, how was it for you? And he's just like, ruthless, terrible, awful. And that's an experience you do not want to be ruthless, terrible, or awful because it's so, uh, you're like, you know, this little tiny I've been thing. there. Yeah. Right. And it's like the, you, you're no, you know, there's like a lion over you and you're like a little baby. You can't do anything. No matter what it wants to do, you're, you're kind of toast. So he comes back the next day and uh goes you know ruthless terrible awful i was like holy this guy is <laughs> this guy is the man like i can't i it was if i mean i'm out of here like you know he's yeah, yeah so third day comes back and he goes you know i got through the other side and you know it's just a really beautiful and profound experience and later on we're, we're chatting to him we're getting to know him a little bit and it turns out he was a former hell's angels muscle so mm-hmm. he had a lot of like pain that he went through uh, to get to the other side of like kind of facing it and knowing that he wanted to change uh, his direction in life. And then um, he now helps people in gangs get out of them. And he would be the only guy because he's so huge. You can't mess with him. So you could be in it, you know, the toughest of the tough, you know, oh yeah, I'm a tough guy, but now I'm a drug dealer and I got all this other craziness. Yeah. I was that guy and I'm out and you don't frighten me. Like it's not going to work if you haven't lived that. Right. So now he's kind of like a spiritual warrior for helping people come out a little bit. Sounds like, you know what you're doing. I love that. And I think when I was thinking of that also is like, yeah, I've had some ruthless, horrible plant medicine. Iboga was the worst because at that time my ego was still, it's kind of like, I think if you had a dirty sponge and you're trying to clean some shit, it's like, well, what do you do when you have a dirty sponge? You wash and wring it out. Like it's, that's ruthless. Like it's, and that's kind of like what I feel like happens to a lot of us that need to shift rapidly. It's the growth process is never shanti shanti. It's never like a, a chill, like, oh, and now I'm all better. It's like always, Wish it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's always so hard. Right. And, and we have to like go through the ringer and then we're like, okay, I can clean some shit up. You know, it's like, I feel like that's how your your buddy went through and that's for me as well it was like i i got put in a washing machine and and i'm not a small person i got put in this washing machine and you come out and you're like okay 
okay <laughs> you gotta like get your shit together for a little bit and then you're like all right i can help some people now like uh, once you uh, once you get it together it's like that you know that airplane thing like if the airplane's going down put your oxygen mask on first and then you're going to be able to help somebody else put theirs on you got to put yours on first you got to take care of clean your house right you got to got to do you first and then you know going through that the fear in that is bigger than it is but it's always 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 so worth it on the other side when you get out of the ceremony and you had that you got through it or you get out of the big cycle of deep 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 depression or addiction and then you get through the other side and when you get to the other side and you got that okay there's a sunny morning and okay you kind of got through that part and you got your head above the water for a second. That's a really beautiful moment to know you made it through, right? And I'm sure so many people could relate of the breakup. And you're in the deep, deep heartache of the breakup. And then that day where you're like, you know what? I'm going to be all right. And, you know, I, I had that uh, when I when I left Vancouver for good. And 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 I, I went to Bali first uh, about a year earlier. did a yoga teacher training. But I was still a drug dealer at the time. And I was trying to start shifting. And I, and I knew I wanted to get out, but if I was in Vancouver and I was selling drugs, I'd be doing drugs. There's no way I could get around that. And I somehow at that time earlier, I thought I could still do sell drugs, not do them. I was addicted to the money and the power more than anything. And that was a big character ego flaw of myself because I just didn't, it didn't compute to me. Like that just doesn't work, buddy. You can't do that for yourself. You can't do that. Um, and so when I got to Bali afterwards and, and I, when I left everything behind, I almost didn't make it at the airport. Uh, that's a whole story. The airport story is crazy. And I get to Bali and I went through my withdrawals and I got clean. And I just remember the first time I took a shower and wasn't like writhing and it felt horrible, but I put on uh, under the bridge, you know, uh, red hot chili peppers. And I just had that playing. And it was the first time music sounded good again. And I'll never forget that moment that I just heard music sounded good again. And I was just like, okay, like you made it through the ringer. The, the sponge has just been ringed through. Okay. And then it's a brilliant place to rebuild from. Like that moment right there is that moment, you know, you get through the breakup and you're like, I'm going to be okay. It's okay. I can, I can go to the gym again. I can do some stuff. We got to go through that dark night of the soul or the withdrawals or the heartbreak or being fired or, you know, whatever. We got to go through it. You know, just like you got to break up some land in order to plant some seeds again, right? You got to cultivate. And that part's never shanti shanti. It's always fucked. And then on the other <laughs> side of it, you know, you're like, okay, I can, I can build something. I can do something. And I think it's just a beautiful process in growth, right? Like it's part of that growth and decay. It's part of, you know, stars imploding and then creating new universes again. Like it's just how the universe works. We got to die and then be reborn. We got to you know, do all that kind of destruction to re rebuild. Um, we got to think of that in ourselves as well. And never, if something broke down or something didn't work out, that that's going to be a forever thing. It's just a way to recultivate the land and plant a mango tree. Everybody likes mangoes. <laughs> I got a business, baby. <laughs> yeah, you know? man. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I feel like, especially when you go on in Instagram, you see, uh, spirituality and self-help and all these things. And it's like roses and nice pictures, mm. but it's very ugly, you know, for ourselves. And it's only the destruction of ourselves. And we are the only ones who can do the work and we're the only ones who can do it authentically. And there is a path. If you have the willingness to go forward and, and face your fears and face your demons and limitations. And there's a lot of great tools out there to support you uh, like coaches or processes or books or meditations. But as long as you're on that path, I think 
that's really the key and it's going to unfold over time and your healing is going to help over time. And the more intense your, you know, the teeter totter is right. Like if you're way over here and you're really suffering, right. And you have to go through withdrawals. It might be a little bit more of a challenging experience. And maybe if you haven't gone, uh, you know, that intense, it might not be as hard, but it might be like these little tricks, you know what I mean? And I think this is where we get into limiting beliefs and mindset. I think you can speak on that a little bit because, you know, limiting beliefs are are so, like imposter syndrome. You know, who am I to do this? Who am I to, you know, break out? You know, I am not good enough to do that. And I think that's a huge one. Mm. There's a, if you Google it, because I always forget what the three are, but it's Greg Braden talks about three universal fears and once not being loved, not being worthy. And uh, I'd have to Google it to check them out. But, but I feel like uh, most people I've worked with, it's, it's the oh fear of abandonment, I think is one, Um, Mm. but it's uh, like Luke being ostracized from the tribe. And that's why with Mm -hmm. all the uh, scenario, the last two years, I believe that's why so many people didn't say anything because they're so worried about being ostracized from the tribe. And, you know, it happened anyway, but they forced a line in the sand and, you know, if you, what I can say for myself is you'd rather have one person beside you that you can trust that knows who you are as you speak honestly, than having a thousand people who pretend to be your friends and they're free because that one person you need to show up, they're not going to show up those thousand people, you know, but that one person who knows you as you are, they'll show up. So I, I'm wondering if you could speak uh, on those topics. Oh, Oh, huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to start with the first one, there's a few that we went over uh, imposter syndrome. I think a lot of my clients go through that and I hit them with some realness because it's a bit harsh, but I'm like, that's such a selfish fucking way to think, man. You're thinking like, oh, can I even put this out? You're not thinking about who I can help. You know, you're not thinking about who you can serve. Like you have information to help people. You clearly do. You've been through it. So why are you not helping people? Because you're worried about how you'll be perceived. Uh, that you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on how I'm going to be, how I'll look if I'm cool, if I'm liked, rather than I'm going to help some people. Can you imagine if the paramedic came to you and was like, well, I don't know. If, what if they don't like me? It's like, motherfucker, do your job. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like, go do your job. Like, it's just like, if your job is to help the world, help the world, then don't worry about how it's going to be seen. Flip to how you'll be perceived into how you'll serve. How, your gold you have to give, the people that you're going to help need you. People need you. You are needed. So help them. And I think that really helps my clients. And obviously that's a bit harsh the way I say it, but then I soften them up a little bit. And I'm just like, look what you have to give. That knowledge that you have is gold. It is, it is, it is there. So think of the people you're going to help now. Like they need that. So give it and just, just put it out and give it rather than thinking the other way around, flip that. And that starts the wheel turning. Then they start thinking, actually, wait a minute. They start thinking about the other people rather than themselves. It's it's a less egoic space, right? And I know that that's not, I don't want to like shame people for being an imposter, an imposter syndrome. I just mean, think of to give rather than to receive. And that changes the energy around, you know, what's going on with yourself, right? That's, that's the one point. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I love that. Just that alone is is so brilliant. And I think that's all the shift necessary because it gets out of you, right? Are you capable? But this is also knowing yourself is like, okay, can you do this? Right? It's being honest with yourself, right? Like yeah. for me, uh, I'm not going to start a painting school because I'm not very good at it. Now, if I love painting up. and art, but it's so fascinating too, because there's so many people I've worked with, right? And suggested certain ideas. It comes from what they, who they are and what they're good at, right? And, mm-hmm. and they have, oh, well, who am I to do that? 
you could teach me so much. I don't know, right? <laughs> you know, it's like I can teach you snowboarding, I can teach you martial arts, I can te- teach you spirituality, personal development, and life design because I love those topics and those ideas, and I've walked it. Um, you know, and that's who I am. Um, but I'm not teaching you stuff that I don't know. Right. And so rather than, well, am I good enough as a coach to do this? Well, do I enjoy the subject matter? Do I learn about it? Right. Do I have integrity to try to master it? But most importantly, who is it that I'm trying to help? Who is it that you want to help? Mm -hmm. Can you help them? Okay. So now it's out of you, right? How can you serve them? And that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. And then if that's the case, right? Like you could take for this example to draw it out, just like a step further. Let's say you want to help somebody with their weight. You didn't know shit, but you love that person. Could you figure it out? Right. Your body's mm-hmm. 300 pounds about to die of whatever heart disease or some shit. And you're like, you know what? I don't know anything about fitness or health, but I love you. And we're going to get through this together. You figure it out. Right. And that person would benefit greatly because you would be serving them. You're not thinking about your, you know, how you're unqualified. You're thinking about how could I help that person? Let's let's go through this together. Exactly. My homie did this exactly for his mom. Uh, my buddy Dave in, in Bali is a brilliant meditation teacher and his mom got uh, cancer and he was monk life at this time. He moved back from monk life to London studied which diets would heal her of cancer and fed her those foods. She went on a mono diet. He just broke it down. She didn't want to do chemo. They didn't do chemo. And he healed her cancer through food. And I was like, that's badass. Like, uh, bro, did you know any of that before the thing? He's like, no, but I love my mom. I was like, boom. I love that. I just love that. That's gold. You know, I'm not saying that works for everyone. And my heart goes out to everybody who has been affected or has a parent or anybody who has had cancer. It's fucking horrible. But the fact that we can then research something and then be there and execute on it. If our intention is pure and our effort is, is, is as concentrated as possible. That's very inspiring to me. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I love that. And so do you want to go a little bit into like, uh, what, were there other things that you want to talk about that the limiting beliefs, like other than imposter oh, yeah. syndrome? Um, you know, I was worried. I, I, one I had, like, I, I can only speak out of my experience was like when I, when I had my accident and I'm laid out in the hospital and one of the doctors was like, yeah, you, you probably won't walk, pro- like walk again, like properly. Like, you know, it was, this is going to be a very, you'll be very handicapped, you know, for the rest of your life type of thing. Like it was bad. And that created a limiting belief for me right off the bat was like maybe for, for like five minutes. And then I remembered my training, but like for like five minutes, I was like, what the fuck? Cause one of my legs, he's like, one of your legs might be shorter than the other. And I'm like, yo, that's not okay for me. Like, <laughs> no, like, no, I don't want one of my legs shorter than the other. Like do something like, what do you mean? Cause like, my leg, the bone snapped out of my leg and then they had to re, you know, do the thing. And like, yeah, you, you won't walk properly. And it broke my heart. Like I remember throwing a fit when the doctor left being alone, then I could really express myself and I learned to express and release. So I just went, ah, ah and like really <laughs> went for it because I was alone, you know, and then I got it out of my system. And then I was like, nah, do something about this. Like you can, you can, you can get over your limiting belief if you want it bad enough. If you just really have that full energy of you to do something, you can figure it out. You figured something else out before you could figure this out before you've left the dope game and you could do this or you've done something. So a lot of people have done something else in life that was impressive that they feel proud of some one thing, even they won the spelling bee or, you know, they, they pitched a no hitter in little league, whatever, you know, like you did a thing that you remember that was hard that you did. You learned a thing 
You did the thing. You're proud of the thing. So you're capable. Look back at what you're capable at before. Now transfer those capabilities into this situation. What can you derive out of that? I was also a martial artist. I was a black belt. And it took a long time to get my black belt. That was the only thing I actually finished because I got kicked out of school. I was just dumb punk, you know, in, in East Van. I just wasn't, you know, what did I actually do? And I was like, martial arts. I, I put my whole heart into that and I became um, an instructor. So I was like, okay, that gave me something to base myself off of. I could do that and learn how to throw a damn good spinning heel kick. Okay. I could figure out how to walk again properly. And I just took that same energy of that took, that took consistency you know, that took perseverance. It took getting kicked in the face a lot. That sucks, but I took it, you know, you can, you eat shit and you just go. And I, and I, and I stuck it out. I did it over, you know, five years and I got my black belt. It took consistency, perseverance. It took, you know, listening. It took finding a good teacher. It took, took some things that I can transfer into this. So then I just transferred that skill set into this of finding good rehab, finding good physiotherapists, uh, showing up to every single physiotherapy, you know, taking all the supplements I could, braining this out, finding the information, you know, going and getting myself. I had to go put myself in a position to succeed, right? So it's just like, okay, I did that. I can do this. And then today I did my first boxing lesson after, you know, almost a year and a half and being pretty handicapped today, I was able to do, you know, a one hour, very basic footwork and pad work. And I was like, yo, it was a big deal for me today. Honestly, I hit a milestone today because I haven't moved like that since the accident. You know, I wasn't able to move like that. And that was like, wow, I did it. I did that today. But I was like, yeah, because I just did the same thing I did then. You know what I mean? That's amazing, man. Well, I love that. Like the idea of transferring uh, capabilities. And one of the things that came up for me was going to Dr. Joe Dispenza's workshops. And he talks about, um, what is he taking the doctor's curse where the, the doctor will like sentence mm. you to die, sentence you to this and that. And there are yeah. countless stories of people yeah. defying doctors. And I think one of the main principles to consider is taking the, the power from somebody outside of you, even though they're a quote unquote authority figure, a doctor or whoever, and putting it back in within yourself and that part within yourself, I think, is the one connected to God. And that's like the true power. You know what I mean? Like, you know, mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. so, okay. You put it back into it's like, it's not up to you. You know what I mean? You don't know. And you don't know, you know, what God is capable of or what I'm capable of or us together. You know what I mean? This and whatever is going to be, if I surrender to God or the universe or whatever, that's going to guide me in the right way. You know what I mean? So it might not be perfect, but it'll lead to something else. And um, I think that's a just a really empowering way to see things because otherwise you're going to be looking for external validation. Like you talked about earlier where, you know, how will I be perceived? You know, what, it, what do I look like? What kind of car do I drive? All this and all that. It's more egoic based around personality and identity and ego rather than service. You know, I was like, yeah. you know, so that guy who's like, oh, I need to make all the money versus like, how can I help? Well, if you're, you know, I don't know, driving a piece of car, you know, with a bunch of food down to the homeless sh shelter or something versus, you know, a Mercedes Benz and, you know, not helping people in their life. And one of the ideas I think is so important in Buddhism is called right livelihood. And I feel like Hell that's yeah. why we have a lot of strife in our world right now. It's because we're focused more on materialism. We need to make the money uh, to serve to quote unquote, apparently to survive and get through. And so we're just thinking about how can we get the money? And if we're thinking that way, we're not really thinking about how we might harm, right? Is our work good? Is our work helpful? Is it benefiting our community? And if we flip 
the idea or perspective around to making sure we have right livelihood, you know, we're going to make a greater impact. And ha- and that has to be letting go of how you perceived. But at the beginning, you talked about what what's most important with how you re- received. You know, do you want to be oh, the guy man. in the Mercedes or do you want to be the guy who's a stand up uh, person who's, you know, mother's proud of them? And I'll take, you know, my mom being proud of me over any amount of money any day. Yeah, that's so crazy that you said those two things, because I was the guy in the Mercedes. I had a nice E-class <laughs> that I was like, yeah, yeah white and <laughs> inside fish sticks, outside tartar sauce had the, the cr- uh, cream interior. <laughs> 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 and then... I did a bunch of studies into Buddhism and I think that's Buddha, the priest at four or five is right livelihood. And I was just like, yo, that shifted me. Cause I was like, I wasn't living the right way. I wasn't making money in a way that was honorable. And I wasn't doing, you know, karma yoga. I wasn't helping people out of that. And that right there shifted me. That exact thing was like, you got to do something that is righteous and that isn't righteous. Selling dope is not doing anything. You're yeah. You're trading commodities. Yeah. Big pharma does the same thing, if not worse, but this, this isn't you, this isn't righteous for you. And that really had to, then I had to know myself. I had to be like, well, what, what is you? And I was like, I just want to be a good guy. Like, I just want to do good things. And I had to be my own mom, my own dad and make myself proud of myself. Cause I, I remember when I was also, you know, looking to make my folks proud. And when my fine, my dad finally told me he was proud of me. And I was like 32. First time he told me he loves me. And, and, and first time he told me he's proud of me. Dad's pretty hard ass kind of guy right and he told me and i was just like yeah cool like i I said it back i love you too but also it didn't have the same ring to it because i had put so much energy into making myself proud of me and that really that really made me a more confident person that loved myself i think self-love is a big part of this factor right and uh, another thing on the imposter syndrome another thing on the actual the actions of being somebody you want to and designing your life you know, there's kind of that like fake it to your make it thing. Uh, but like, I don't really like that saying very much, but what it was, was, okay. I wanted to be somebody that was respected and kind and successful and giving and like a community leader. I want to just help people around me and be popular. You know, I wanted these things, but I needed to be somebody that was righteous. That was a good guy. And I didn't really know how to be a good guy at that point. Like I was just like, you know, you know, really extremely promiscuous drug dealer life. You know, I just was just not like living like a guy with integrity. And I was like, how do I be a better guy? And then I was just like, well, I'll be do better guy things. And I was actually like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, do good guy stuff. Head up, head up Google, how to do better guy things. <laughs> <laughs> Start from scratch check, here. We got to figure this out. <laughs> check out my new course, Do Better Guy Things by Aaron Baya. <laughs> it's just like, okay, like what would a better guy do in this situation? And I had to like actually do the stuff that that guy would do rather than the stuff that this guy would do. And so when it came down to like, okay, don't date two girls at once. That would be a bad guy thing. Okay, well, the good guy do. Good guy would have open and clear communication and just I'd be honest with everybody and pick 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 something that wouldn't hurt people. Okay. You know, like that, like I'd have to actually just have those communications and, and talks and that instantly made my life better is just do the things that guy would do. You don't have to be that guy yet. It's okay. If your confidence is super low and you're like, I suck, I'm, I'm a piece of shit. I'm not successful. Okay. 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 You know what? That won't shift overnight. It could, but let's, let's meet you where you're at. How about you just make the choices that someone better than you would do? And then you'll be that somebody better because your world is just full of actions. It's just a sum total of a bunch of moments done skillfully. So just do those skillful moments over and over again, one moment at a time. And a lot of drug addicts would get this because I think it's NA or, or, or 
AA and it's just like one day at a time. Right. And then it's one hour at a time, one, one minute at a time. You just have to do this minute really well. So even if you're listening to this podcast right now, just do this really well, just listen well, just be present, just be happy that you're here and you have ears and you're able to listen to this and, you know, you have a device that listens to it. Hey, great. You have a device. Good for you. Like that's, that's awesome. You know, that those are, these are good things. Do this well, be grateful in this moment, be happy in this moment. Now you're doing this podcast better than you were beforehand because you're being mindful of you doing it well. Now keep doing that with everything you do. Now you got to go home and say, you have a talk with your partner or your boss or the next, next person you talk to after this podcast, do that better. So instead of being reactionary, instead of going into it, you know, with your same old shit, now do the good version of that. Just, just be a little bit better in that conversation. Just be more skillful, be more mindful. Don't be reactionary. Don't do your old emotional reactionary shit. Go into this with a new paradigm of, I'm going to do this a little bit better. I'll be more compassionate. I'll be more whatever you want it to be. Say you're really meek and you get stepped on. Okay, I'm going to be a bit stronger in this situation and just speak my piece. Just, just, just be intentional about your actions. And you'll notice that's just a whole bunch of those. And then it becomes who you are. So then it wasn't me like, oh, I don't really lie to people anymore. It's just not what I do anymore. Whereas before I had to consciously, Aaron, don't lie. And I had to think about it before I about to tell a lie. Then it was, I tell a lie, then I have to recount it. Hey, you know what? Sorry, man. Fuck. That wasn't totally true. Little things like little, little like embellishments. And I was like, I actually, you know what? That wasn't true. And I want to break that habit. And I'd be honest about it. And they'd be like, damn, son. Okay, great. That's I respect you for telling me that. And I'm like, I just want to break that habit. It's not for me anymore. And then that didn't even have to do it anymore, you know? So that thing, that thing helps. That 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 action actually helped me a lot in my life, you know? That's amazing. Well, that's a really beautiful story. And and I love how you kind of like train yourself to get through it. You know, what would a better guy do? And um, yeah. and then you start taking those actions. So it starts with the idea, and then you'll find the road, and then you start taking the action, right? And you do the little bit you can, and then it transforms. So now you don't have to do that. I imagine, I imagine you just naturally just tell the truth, right? Yeah. So your brain rewires and you become the person that you want to be. That's a really mm-hmm. beautiful um story and a simple technique. It just shows, you know, that you can change by your own willpower and deciding who you want to be. Um, the, the last thing I want to ask you, I'm just curious, you know, in your scenario, you were selling drugs, so you're probably making lots of money and then you want to make this shift. And, um, you know, there's your, the money's probably not guaranteed on the other side of this spiritual yogi retreat way. And so in your, you know, you don't, I don't think you had a family at the time. Did you? Um, I have family, but like we weren't well off and, but no, like we kids, were, we, wife and kids. Oh no, I still don't. Yeah. There's so a, there's I, a story I, I, in that we should circle back to. But, okay, but. cool. Yeah. Let me know. You know, cause I'm thinking like a lot of people out there, they have a uh, wife and kids or they have people they want to support and they want to make a shift, but they want to be able to support them. So I feel like in your mm-hmm. scenario, it was just as hard for your ego to let go of all that guaranteed money. You know what I mean? And lifestyle as a as somebody who's supporting the family and is scared of not being able to pro- provide, but they want to move forward in what their, you know, right livelihood might be or get closer to that. So what yeah. advice would you have for that type of person? Oh, good question. Uh, it was really scary leaving those like financial handcuffs. I mean, I was making good money and I didn't have to worry about anything. I was just a young, rich idiot. So it was just like, I could just do whatever I wanted. You know, that's a bad <laughs> thing to be young and have lots of money. It's really bad. If you're not like set up properly, it's just going to accelerate <laughs> you being a stupid idiot. <laughs> it's like, okay, I, like why? You know, and so uh... <laughs> you just have a flashback of so many memories. Oh, dude, I know it too. Like in my 20s, tw- I was always like, when I was young, I was like, yeah, I want lots of money. 
money. I was like, I don't think it would have been that dumb, but it would have been dumb enough. That's for sure. <laughs> you don't need a Gucci leather jacket, you idiot. <laughs> it's just like, no, <laughs> I still have that though. By the way, it was expensive. I'm gonna keep that. I'm not gonna get rid of it. It's there you go. <laughs> anyway, well, then it's worth it. You know, you got one jacket for 20 years. It's worth the value over time. Actually, a funny story around that was I was like, I was really in my hood rich days and I bought these Louis Vuitton <laughs> swim trunks. They're $500 swim trunks. Like they're, they're like, they're not, they're short shorts. They're short Louis Vuitton print swim trunks. It's 24 years old. I was going on taking my girlfriend to Barakai and I was just like living it, you know? And when I got out of the gate, I wore those as much as humanly possible because they're 500 bucks. I'm going to wear the shit out of these. Oh, yeah. I'm going to wear them in situations. You shouldn't be wearing swim trunks. I'm going to wear swim trunks, <laughs> <laughs> which is expensive. I'm like, no. And I still have them and they're falling apart. This is like 15 years ago, or like a 12, 12 years later. I still have them. And they hit like the, I had to replace the, sh- the string on them. I think there's like a shoe string in the string. They're the most ghetto $500 shorts you've ever seen. <laughs> just like the principle, you know, it's just like, well, you know, it's so that's like a funny story of that, like hood rich stuff. But uh, <laughs> what was the question again? <laughs> uh, you know, like how, the, how a, a person who's providing for the ah, family yes, might transition. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So I had to leave and get out and I was like, what am I going to do? If I, if I get out and I don't have this money coming in, I'm going to be a loser. And I was fully scared of being, there's a lot of fear in what if I leave and I'm a total loser. I was about 27, 26 getting out. And like at that age, I thought I was already old, you know, I'm just stupid. And I was just like, you know, I'm, if I'm not successful by 28, or 30 i'm a complete failure in my entire life obviously you can tell how young and stupid i was but the fears are real and and then i thought and i read a four-hour work week and i was like okay that's a cool book and there's some interesting sites in it and then there was something about i don't remember if it was in that book or not it's like what's the worst that could happen and i was like well okay if i leave drug dealer life and i go try to make it in bali as a you know businessman and you know hotels and whatever the hell and airbnb if i go and I had like a couple of years of savings. And if I go and fail completely, bomb it, I just, I'll, I'll probably make it two years. I've kind of budgeted a little bit, two years of still living a fairly, you know, fun life traveling around, but like, okay, what happens then? And I'm like, well, I'll have to come back to Vancouver and I'll have to live in my parents' basement and get a job. I'm like, well, I can always get a construction job. That sucks, but I'll probably, you know, go get my real estate license. I'll figure something out, but at least I have my parents' basement. At least there's that. And I'm like, well, that's not so bad because best case, I've become a billionaire hotelier. Cool. (laughs) Worst case, I'm in my parents' basement, square one, figure it out. I was like, okay, it's worth the risk. And so that was worth the risk for me. Now, in the case, now we're adding other people into it, your, your family, and you want to, you want to swap it over. I would say kind of what I did at the first trip to Bali was I went and sussed it out. So it's kind of like I swung one branch to the other. And so I didn't let go of either branch so I could fall. I did have that transition period where I was sussing out and I saw there was a new world. I saw I could be a completely different person. I rocked up to Yoga Barn, which is like their like big hippie yoga place in the center of Bali in a Louis Vuitton t-shirt, diamond drug dealer earrings and a man purse. And I was like, yo, (laughs) bro, I was so cheesy. I was so cheesy. Three cell phones in my bag. And I'm like, I'm gonna do some yoga. You know, is this a douchebag? And and, and I was like, full on, like try, I was buying my entire teacher training yoga, like a wheatgrass shots. I'm like, let's get some shots and like buying like a tray of wheatgrass shots for my whole teacher training. I was the worst, you know? And, (laughs) but, but like (laughs) true story, true story. And uh, I had to crash and burn there in the sense that wasn't cool, but also I saw I could be a different person. So I could go there and not 
be that, you know, guy who thought I was a big shot. I could go there and see that there's another way I could, I could, Oh, I could, I, that's when I had the idea. I could open an Airbnb here. Other, I see, I met a couple other guys doing it there and I was like, oh, I could do that. If they could do it, I, I met them. They're cool. I could, I could do it. It's not that complicated. If I can run a nationwide drug dealing operation, I can do this. So it was like, okay. So there was that I got, my head, you know, over the fence and just got the lay of the land. And I was like, okay, I could figure this out. So I'd recommend anybody who wants to go towards righteous living is poke your head out and do a little bit of research first. And so see what's plausible. So then you see, okay, say I wanted to open up a construction company. And before that I was doing X, Y, Z. Okay. Now what would it look like? to get into a construction business. Okay. Well, I would need to know what licensing I need to get. I would need to know, you know, what type of license, what type of business I would want to do. I need some contacts in it. So, okay. There's some stuff to figure out. So in that time of swinging to the next branch, you're in R and D research and development. You're looking at all the things that you practically need to know. What do you need to know? Who do you need to know? Those are super important. Who's who are you going to need to know in your life? Are you going to need to know Somebody at the city, are you going to need to know, you know, a, a mentor? Are you going to need to know a company that you're going to have to work for for a little while before you know your own shit? Are you going to need to have this, that, this, that list it out? So then you write it down and you're, and even if you, you like, say, if you have a position that needs to be filled, I need a mentor, but you write down the type of mentor you need. You're speaking it into the universe and you're showcasing that like, I need this thing. And you know, when you're looking, when you buy a red car, you see lots of red cars or whatever the hell that saying is, you know what I'm talking about. You'll, you'll, you'll see it and you'll bring it into your reality. So if you actually look for what you need, but you clear on what you need to go into that path, you can start pulling it into your existence. And then what you need to know, you start studying. And that's what I did. I got so thirsty and hungry for my knowledge and I was slamming books. You know, I was just going deep on it in my, in my personal development. Cause I knew if I wanted to be an elevated human, that was a conscious entrepreneur and a success. I couldn't be drug dealer, Aaron, that guy has to die. He, he's got to leave, but I had to do the transition. So I had unfinished business. I went to Bali for a couple months saw that there was more out there, noticed what I needed to do. And then it was six months to get out of the game. It was, it was a really difficult, hard to six months of my life to actually unplug, reset and take the leap. But there's that transition period. That's important. You got to do it. I love that answer, man. I'm really glad I asked that question because you gave a really excellent answer, you know, swinging from one branch to another, you know, doing the research necessary because it doesn't need to be a quit your job scenario. Although mm -hmm. sometimes life will fire you from a job because it needs you to yep. transition. You're not kind of getting the memo. And that's the same with like health. Your body gives you signals and says, Hey, you know, you're starting to feel fatigued all the time. And, you know, you're putting on a few pounds here and there and that habit of drinking beers and potato chips or whatever the case may be, you get these signals. And if you don't pay attention, oh, now you're in a hospital bed. And the same thing with your life, right? It might be subtle and subtle and subtle. It could eject you. And there's going to be this transition period. And, and I think it's so important that you spoke on that and knowing that you can take the time, you do the research, you do the due diligence, you figure it out. And then you see, hey, I can grab a hold of this. You see the new world right? The new tree that you're grabbing onto, you're kind of grabbing onto the old one, but the, after enough research is done, you'll tip it to the other side, right? You'll be ready to go. You'll be ready for that next step. It's the same thing in extreme sports and snowboarding. It's all progression. You know, see people see me go off like, you know, the large jumps, which I'm so glad I could finally hit at Lake Louise or, you know, 45, 60 feet and only a few people can hit them. And like, how, how do you do that? Well, you start with getting good at snowboarding, then you hit the small ones. 
Then you hit the mm-hmm. medium one. So you get comfortable there. Then you hit the large and by, I bet you, you know, in a couple of years, you'll be right beside me, maybe even better. And it's this progressional step. So once you've seen that, then that new world, it becomes possible. And I think also inevitable. If you keep working towards it, it will become inevitable because God will be supporting that journey. If it's aligned with what you're doing, if you're not doing it just for selfish materialistic reasons, um, then you don't know. You might be successful. You might not, but even a failure with proper intention and passion and um, self-awareness, self-inquiry, it's a success because you'll have a learning experience for where you want to go to get to that next step. I love it. That's exactly what I was thinking when I got out, like exactly that in the sense of my development. And I was like, if I just keep learning stuff that is in alignment with me being a better human and spiritually connected, mentally stable, emotionally savvy, you know, I needed to learn this stuff. I was all over the place. And I just knew if I kept doing that, as well as building connections, I'm I'm a connector. That's my role in life. I found that out. I love people. I love peopling and I'm able to connect people well and connect to people. Well, okay. That's what made me a good drug dealer turns out. But what was happening before (laughs) that was, you know, if I just kept doing that bridging connections that were strategic to where I want to go while learning to be a better human, I'm walking a path. If I just keep walking that path, I'm going to see cooler and cooler shit along the way. Like better things will happen to me. So the views will get better. It'll open better doors. Like things will happen. It's inevitable. You're going to get momentum going from this branch to the other branch. And you got to get that momentum going. So if you just keep going. And I think what people forget when they're wanting to jump from one place to another is like, it's going to be an overnight thing. It's like, no, man, if you just keep doing a little bit better every day, you're going to get places. And that's so much easier to actually achieve than like a big, huge jump. And then you launched your first million dollar business. It's like, no, I had a couple failed businesses, but then I started with a small business, then I got a bigger one. And then I opened a bigger one. Then I partnered in little ones, like, or well, I had a small share just to give ideas. Now I just get paid to be me. And I just get paid to, 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 coach people to start their businesses, which I love doing. And then now like I can launch a business off my hip off like this one in Vancouver. I'm building a tattoo barber and salon here. And one of my homies wanted to open a business, had no idea how he's like, I'll pay for everything and I'll split it half with you. I'm like, yeah, good deal for me. Let's go. And it's (laughs) like, yeah, cool. Cause I did it enough times that I got so good at it that I can just quickly bang, bang, bang. I know the steps. And so people forget that, that, Hey, yo, there's going to be a a prototype there's going to be you know iphone one and then it's going to get better and better and better and better and now we got these you know iphone 14s it's like okay hey you're gonna have to get better but you gotta start and so just just start and you will progress it won't be the forever thing you know like today i've done three or four jobs by by now by the time we're doing this podcast because we got all these tentacles in different places you're not going to be married to one career forever that's just not really how we're living as a community or society as much anymore right it's not like and my dad works works still for shaw cable a cable company for 30 years my mom was a community librarian for 40 years same same like same job for 40 years, I would go nuts. Like, there's no way I could do that. Whereas us, our generation, we're going to be into many things. We're going to do lots of different stuff because there's so much more information and opportunity available for us to, there's all sorts of whoever would have thought that you could like make millions on TikTok. You know, my parents would be like, what the <laughs> fuck is TikTok? Like they would have no idea, right? <laughs> you're going to be a blueberry farmer or you're going to work in a sawmill. <laughs> like it's just going to be like that thing, right? Whereas us today, we're going to be like, oh, actually I do lead generation for dental equipment you're like what (laughs) like there's like there's so much niche that we can get into these days so don't pigeonhole yourself if you're listening that you're like 
yo, I'm stuck in a, in a rut, in a career or in a pattern that I don't like, but just think we're so much closer connected to that. There's infinite possibilities than ever. There's so much opportunity for us. Now you could do anything if you have the internet, <laughs> which you do, if you're listening to this podcast, and if you just get a little creative with it and then take the risk, you're willing to take the risk, but risks don't need to be this giant leap of like, you know, guns blazing into kicking down doors. It's like, no, no, no. You could just take educated <laughs> risks. You know, like that's all CIA would do. I know I have all over the place in my analogies. I have, a, I, have a, I have a very strange mind, but they, they, they do some research first. They're like bad guys upstairs in the upper level floor. They, you know, they like they have some Intel. So they're not just kicking down doors. It's like, we got to do that with our goals. It's like, well, okay. Goals are here. There's this, uh, these obstacles in the way. Okay. Nope, 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 nope. What we're going to need is this tactical gear intelligence. And we're strategically to go at it in these ways. It's like, okay, you got a plan going. And once you got a plan going, it's less scary. Now you can go get Osama bin Laden. I'm all over the place. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm following. I think they're great examples. And I, I just think it's important. The idea that, you know, what you pursue in pursuit of designing your life, you know, by your own means, by your own values and principles mm -hmm. and characteristics and what you enjoy, it doesn't have to be perfect. It, you know, if it's close, you start there and by doing something, by taking action, by creating something, you learn and refine and go. Uh, you know, I use the example of Conor McGregor, where, you know, he had this idea that he wants to be UFC champion. He wants to be a, a double UFC champion, achieves it at like 30 something. And his life mm -hmm. doesn't just stop. He's like, whoa, I've achieved this high pinnacle. Now I'm going to take this to the next thing. Right. So it's an evolution of who we are. And as long as we keep coming back to self-inquiry and being honest with ourselves, who we want to be, and then moving forward, it doesn't need to be like the perfect thing, but you'll get better at your alignment of the projects and the and the things that you want to do. So you just start with where you are, take some action, you'll get some experiences and that can evolve over time. It's not going to be hand, you know, oh, well, I want to do this, but you know, I don't know if it's the exact right thing, you know, well, if it's very, very close and way better to, than where you are, start taking action and designing that. And as you do it, you might filter out that next thing and that next thing, but try to mentally find it and not write it down and not take action, you're screwed. Take more action than thought. Yeah. Think a little bit, take some action. Think a little bit, take some action. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's going to uncover rather than just being stuck in this uh, hamster wheel of your mind, you're going to get lost in there and nothing will get done. Oh, I love that. And the Conor McGregor thing's funny that you brought that up. And I think this is a good segue into motivational factors that I wanted to bring up when I saw the family thing. So it kind of circled back. But Connor's interesting because I'm like, I think the money got to him. Like uh, seeing him shift from his mission was being double champion, one of the greatest fighters of all time to like proper whiskey millionaire and just like seeing how he's a little bit shifted. And I, Hey, I could be being very judgy. I don't know the guy, but just like seeing in his eyes, I'm like, that guy's doing hella Coke. When I look at his like Instagram, I'm like, bro, well, well you are an expert. So <laughs> those eyes are cocaine. Eyes. I've seen those things so, before. I've seen those things before in the mirror, but like, you know, it's just like, okay. Motivational fact he had enough money you get you get soft or you or you do soft but you know he he was doing like a little bit too um a little bit he was really in it for his motivational factors before to be in it in the game and then i think once you reach a certain level you lose your edge you lose your motivation you start worrying about status money and those things can get to you and now this is where i was at when it circles back to me when before my accident and i was just like i was chilling like 
I wasn't super wealthy. We hit a recession with, with COVID and it crushed my brick and mortar businesses. But like you're living in Bali, riding Ducatis, living in villas. It's pretty chill. Like you're, you're not, you're okay. As a single guy, you're okay. Um, but it, I got life slapped, you know, I just like it. Well, I wasn't living Dharma anymore. I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm all right. And I started slipping and I could see I got life slapped and I got hit by a truck and it shook me up and it was exactly what needed to happen. And when I was in the the wheelchair going for a checkup one day, I'd have to go to the hospital about twice a week. The only thing I could do was go from my house to the hospital, fully handicapped someone to carry me into the car from my wheelchair, uh, take my little motorized wheelchair to the hospital, do my appointments, go back to the taxi driver who came a close friend of mine, my personal driver, and put me back in the wheelchair, you know, da da da, and so on and so forth. For for a couple months, this was my whole life. It was rough. You know, I was taking taking showers out of toilet sinks, not toilets, sorry. I couldn't get off and on the toilet by myself. It was rough. Um, but I remember one day I felt especially alone. And I was by my, it was a rainy day. I got to the hospital and I was at the wheelchair. I was seeing a, a, a surgeon um, appointment checkup and I was by myself. And these other two guys came and they were with their, their partners and they were foreign guys with local girlfriends. So everyone's kind of like, okay, bro. But, but it was like, man, they had family. It looked like one of them was his wife. They were married. And I was just like, felt, I felt alone. And I was like, man, that was, I was meant to see that. Cause you know, I was putting off having a family and that's something that really, really I could see, you know, I wanted to have, and you get hit by a truck. You're kind of like, yo, who's going to show up for you. And I didn't have any kids. What if I died? Like, where is, what did I bring to the world? You know? And I started really questioning that. I wanted to bring something positive and, and have a baby and I wanted to have a kid. And that started really like, really playing into my mind. You got a lot of time to think when you're in a wheelchair and I started having dreams about it. Right. So I had this dream where I was in my old family, like my basement of where I grew up in my parents' house. And you could just see like, 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 like the land level. Cause you're, you know, subterranean and you just see these windows. And I saw these two little girls go on ponies across, across the lawn. And I just knew in my dream, those are my daughters. And I was like, Oh, wow. Like, I, I had two daughters. I could just see it coming through. Right. And I was like, what do I, who what kind of guy do I need to be to bring those girls into, into the, into existence? How do I call them into this world? I was like, well, first you got to get married. We can find a girlfriend. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably first step, <laughs> step one. Right. But uh, no step before that is get your shit together, become the guy that would get the girl, you know? Okay. Okay. Sure. And then I started thinking of like, well, that's good. I'd have to, I want to change some of my habits. Like when I got back to Vancouver all my friends are stoners. Weed's legal here. You go to like, it's like getting weed like 7-Eleven. And before that, I was a big stoner coming back in town and be like, ah, smoking too much weed, eating too much. You know, I just felt like I was slipping. I was getting soft again. Habits. And I like to stay sharp. You know, thank God I can walk again now. And I'm launching businesses. I'm doing what I do. But there's things I think that need to die. Those habits need to stop for me to do that. I want to call in my daughter into this world. I just feel that's what's meant to happen. And I was, I was thinking back and I was doing a session with one of my buddies. Uh, we, we, we trade for trade and he's like, okay, so what would you need to hear if your daughter told you to not go out that night? You know, if you knew it was going to be a big expensive night out with the boys and you're going to be drinking and it's going to be a late night and you're going to feel like shit the next day and I'll go to the gym or whatever. Like if someone else told you not to, would you listen? I'm like, maybe it's like, if your daughter told you not to, I'd be like hundred percent, like if she needed me a thousand percent that little girl would have me wrapped around her finger. <laughs> I'd be like, you know, daddy's little girl, of course. And he's like, okay. And how do you feel when you're not 
following your highest dharmic path. I'm like, I feel dark, like it's just heavy, dark energy. And when I'm connected to God and spirituality and, and my purpose, I feel light. Like I'm connected to a gold inspiring light coming out of my crown up into the above. And he's like, okay, so you want to be light. I'm like, yep. He's like, if your daughter told you to be light, would you listen? I'm like, hell yeah. He's like, so what would she say? I'd be like, well, she'd say, be light daddy. And I'd hear that little girl saying, daddy, be light. And I was like, oh, I felt a full body tingle. And I was like, oh, that's gold. Like that right there. I want to listen to my daughter. I want to bring into the world to make decisions that are going to be aligned. And I was like, yo, that's, that's really motivational for me. So I made an external, like an external, but an altruistic in a form, like something bigger than just me, a non-selfish motivational factor that's going to make me make decisions now. So then I can help bring in a daughter into this world. And that was like what I've been playing with the last couple of months. And I was like, oh, I've been finding success with it. Because if I'm about to make a decision and I, and I hear my daughter in my head say, be light, daddy, I'd be light. And I was like, that's a cool little game to play. I just wanted to share that with you when we're talking about motivational factors and family. Uh, well, that's a very beautiful example, especially for someone who doesn't have a daughter because I have one and she's incredibly motivating and I listen <laughs> to her. She's, she's already the boss. So, uh, it's yeah, a very yeah, beautiful yeah. experience. And I was talking to my friend the other day and it's interesting, even in like the spirituality community, quote unquote, or the yoga community or the Burning Man, you know, I went through the whole festival circuit, which mm -hmm. I love festivals. Mm -hmm. I love Burning Man. I love every festival. It was the greatest shit ever. Um, and, <laughs> but I've also noticed though, in those communities is that uh you know there's very little uh importance given to people who have a family and very few of these teachers and these experts right very young and they don't have any families you know and to me after having a daughter and seeing people who have families and and you know a lot of spirituality personal development is about having, having a whole fulfilling life to me mm -hmm. like that's like the highest thing is to have a family and if we're not mm -hmm. educating and telling people that you know you need to be our our you know fulfillment's going to come from a quality partnership not you know and if you want to be polyamorous go for it I haven't seen any time that work out. I see a lot of posts Same. on Instagram when they start. It's like, hey, yeah. we're the happy yeah. two yeah. people, right? And then six months yeah. later, <laughs> nothing. You know what I mean? It's hard enough to have one. <laughs> we're the happy two people. That's funny, bro. You're, you know we're what the I mean? happy just... two. I've, I know, I've lived in Ubud, Bali for three and oh, a half yeah, years. Oh, yeah, you were right exactly, in there, right? Exactly. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. I tried it. I, yeah, I, exactly. I tried it. Yeah. And it just was too much admin. Mm. There's too much going on. <laughs> There's enough admin for one partner. You know what I mean? That alone, like, then it would be triple with the dimatic. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much going on. And I was just like, nah, <laughs> it's just too much happening for me. Um, I never saw one successful polyamorous uh, uh, relationship that was long-term. Uh, one, one uh, that I know of here, actually. Um, but but not like the ways that was happening. It was quite leaky, I found out there. And I'm like, yo, if it works for you, dope. Like, great. Uh, that's cool. If you can have that much love to give that you love all these people equally or, or in whatever arrangement you got it going on. Um, awesome. But I just knew like how that was working for me is like, it's a challenge, you know, to, to maintain a family unit and, and a partnership and a relationship. But that's because everything that I've had in my life that was worth, it was a challenge, you know, walking again was fucking hard, man, but it was worth it. You know, getting out of the game was really hard, but it was worth it. Getting clean was really hard. It was worth it. Building these businesses was hard, but it was worth it. So I think there's like real, um, there's real importance in 
a bit of a struggle that's worth it. You know, it's you're going places. You you're gonna have to earn it, but but enjoy earning it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, man, this has been great. I truly appreciate your time. I'm grateful you got to the other side. You did it of your own accord. You went through the dark night of the soul and put yourself through the plant medicine and (laughs) kicked your own ass and, you know, make fun of yourself. I would have loved to see you with your Gucci outfit and giving out wheat juice is like a baller, you know, just the (laughs) the cocaine and the weed juice baller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a colorful ride. Yeah, I had so much fun jamming with you today, bro. That was that was a great time. I'll come back anytime just to hang out with you virtually and and shoot the shit and hopefully inspire some people. Uh, And I hope everybody listening had a great time. Like I I love doing this and it makes me really happy for people to listen along and I hope they have a good time. And if they do show me a message on Instagram, I love to connect. I answer my DMS. I enjoy connecting with people. Um, It makes me happy. So I hope, I hope everybody got some value out of it. Awesome, man. Well, where do they find you if they want to uh, reach out, follow your work, get in touch? Where do they go? Uh, my Instagram is ink underscore pray underscore love ink pray love. Yeah, it's because eat pray love did change my life. That's how I found out going to Bali. That's how I found out about Bali and where what it was and where it was was that movie coming down from Iboga. <laughs> so it was quite quite a pivotal moment for me to come out of a huge plant medicine ceremony, watch eat pray love, and be like, I'm gonna go there. And, and I booked my flight two days later. Wow. <laughs> so it was pre- I landed two days later. Sorry, I booked my flight right after I saw that. So it was a massive. You know, Julia Roberts saved my life, and yeah. then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoever wrote that book say my life actually julia roberts facilitated and then um <laughs> and my website's www.aaronbaya.com uh julia roberts was my shaman uh you can go to my instagram has all my links in my bio and all the businesses if you guys want to come get tattooed at my new shop in vancouver just mention you heard it on this podcast i'll hook you up with 20 percent off because you're on the path and you're following and listening along to my boy matt thank you awesome brother well i appreciate you thanks for coming on the show keep up the great work and we'll stay in touch Thank you, sir. All right. See everybody. Peace. Peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely amazing Aaron Baya. I hope that you enjoyed that show. And if you did, you'll share the episode far and wide. Consider going to mattbelair.com, join the email list, and also consider becoming a member for free or by donation. If you want to check out any of the things that I put out there, check out the Quantum Heart Hypnosis, the Soul Compass, the Zen Athlete course and book. And if you want to work with me one-on-one for designing a life from your authentic self, getting clear, overcoming limitations, and designing and building that life, hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. I'd love to hear from you, work with you, support you in building a life of your dreams. So that is it. Thank you guys so much for being here. I sincerely appreciate you. And uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show. Wherever you are in the world, to stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, faith, courage, empowerment. And get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.